Welcome back to Set Free 24-7. I'm Robert, your guide on this journey of discovery. In today's episode titled The Puzzle of Providence, we're inviting you on a captivating exploration of faith, destiny, and the mysterious ways of the divine. We begin with a profound narrative from the Gospel of Matthew, a parable that challenges our understanding of compassion, service, and the very nature of judgment. It's a story that asks us to reflect deeply on how we treat the least among us and how these actions resonate in the grand scheme of our faith. Then we're going to delve into the depths of Paul's anguish in Romans, his heartache and passionate concern for Israel, open up a world of questions about destiny, divine election, and the complex tapestry of God's plan. It's a passage that has puzzled theologians and believers alike, stirring deep contemplation about the roles of free will and divine orchestration. Then in the calming verses of Psalm 61, we actually have a special guest today reading for us. I'm excited for you to meet him. We're going to find solace and strength here in Psalm 61, seeking the refuge and the steadfastness of God. It's a heartfelt cry to be heard and uplifted, a universal plea for guidance and protection from the tumult of life. Lastly, we traverse the historical and spiritual journey of the Israelites in Numbers. As we map their wanderings and their eventual arrival at the cusp of the Promised Land, we're reminded of the winding paths our own faith journeys often take. The puzzle of providence is more than just a discussion. It's an invitation to grapple with the big questions, to find comfort in uncertainty, and to trust in the overarching plan of a God who is both mysterious and merciful. Join me as we piece together this puzzle, exploring how these scriptures guide, challenge, and even enlighten us on our walk of faith. So let's embark on this journey together, and maybe, just maybe, we're going to find some of those pieces that make up our own puzzles of providence. We'll see you on the other side. Welcome back to A Journey Through the Message. My name is Robert. And my name is Heidi. How are you today, wife? I'm actually good, <laughs> good. even though we got the snow today. I know, I know. I looked outside, I was like, oh. But yeah, it's been yes. a few weeks for us. Mm-hmm. We have had, and we'll update a little bit about what's been going on this last few weeks mm-hmm. that has taken us away from this routine. There's been a couple things. Yes. We have still had good routine with going to church and other activities that right. we do, but unfortunately, something had to give. And that's okay. It's okay to show yourself some grace when sometimes things that you had planned on just don't work out or just don't fit, especially when your time is being called in another direction. That absolutely had priority in this situation. And we'll share more about that and you'll understand more where we were and, and why we needed to be away a bit. And a few weeks ago, we had, I remember we had asked for prayers at one Mm -hmm. point for some friends of ours that were going through an extremely tough time with their daughter. Yeah, so we'll update. Yep. And so we can do that right now. Okay. So absolutely. Unfortunately, I don't know if it's unfortunately, though. I know. I don't think I go unfortunately. (laughs) River has been healed. Yes. Their daughter Precious Little River has been healed of cancer, but that happened in heaven. We were dealing with the human aspect of that and what that means for Mm. mom and dad to be here without their little girl. But 
Besides her parents, there's been a whole community that's been built and has come together just covering this family and this little one in prayers. And I know we all wanted so badly for the healing to happen on the other side of life. But we have thrown our trust in God and we receive his answer to the prayers that we have raised And we are joyful in knowing that Little River has gone on ahead Mm. and is joyful in the very presence of Jesus himself. River was 19 months old and had cancer, a very aggressive form of muscle cancer. And the family went from a pretty optimistic appointment, thinking it was just going to be some follow-up care and just wrap up and take care of some stray cancer cells only to find out when they went to the hospital for a visit and scanned her that her tiny little body was filled with cancer. And it was recognized at that point that treatment was just not really effective. And I remember remember being shocked Mm -hmm. when we got the news that things were going downhill because I was like, we just got the news that there was a good doctor's appointment Mm -hmm. and it was so hard to wrap your head around it Uh, was an abrupt mindset change mm -hmm. and i am gonna say now though i'm so thankful for our good and gracious god who answered our prayer request of please not letting river suffer Mm -hmm. and please do not let this be a long and drawn out process and god came through in a huge way and answered prayers River's passing, I can't imagine a more beautiful, I was going to ask you to share Beautiful passing. Madeline has shared this openly, so I feel she'd be okay with me sharing. Madeline is mom, Travis's dad. Mm -hmm. Robert and I had the unbelievable honor of being invited into this space to walk with her parents through this process of saying goodbye to the to their precious daughter on this side. So we did get the chance to spend time in their home with them and with River up until the end. We saw them a day or two before her actual passing. We had dinner with her. And Madeline described to me that they had friends stop over. And after the friends left, Madeline just felt very strongly that she wanted some before bedtime snuggles with her precious one here. So she went into the room and picked up River and noted that her breathing had slowed. But when I say that, it slowed to what we would consider normal. She had been at kind of a higher, more rapid breathing pattern. Mm -hmm. And she noted that as a change along with she really didn't make a physical response to being picked up, usually like a hand would just reach out or there was something. And she noticed that she was just pretty limp was the word that she used, but she just, there wasn't really resistance. So she just picked her up and carried her to the living room. And she reclined back against their fireplace with her and held her up against her chest and belly, just cradling her. And then dad joined them and just had an arm around mom and River. And Madeline said, she shouted out to God and said, please do not allow my daughter to suffer. Please take her to you quickly Mm. and peacefully and without suffering. As a parent, I can't even 
imagine, but that was parental love shining bright in that when it goes against everything that your heart wants, but to call out to God to please take her peacefully and quickly and without suffering. And she finished that prayer and just held her daughter. And I think she said it was like 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. And about 30 seconds, if I'm remembering this correctly, after Madeline shouted out to God, pleading with him for her daughter, River breathed her last here and stepped into the arms of Jesus. Mm. I'm crying over that, but... And from the arms of one father, safely into the arms of her heavenly father. And they were both at peace. Yes. The parents were both at peace with this. As hard as it was, in that part we can't take away, they're human beings, but man, were they strong and they were so absolute in their love for and trust in their father, God. And they entrusted their most precious thing, their daughter. It's their only child. And um, they entrusted her to God. Mm. And God answered their prayers. And as they were praying, was calling for her that it was time to come home. Yeah, And she left. And um, I know that Madeline just was overjoyed at that love shown to them by God because she said we would have gone to bed. And she goes, I don't know what it was that just drove me so much. I just really want to go get her. She was resting soundly and everything, and it was bedtime where they usually would have gone to bed. But something stopped her, and they changed that, and it resulted in just an absolutely precious and beautiful homegoing for River as Mm -hmm. she was cradled in her mother's arms and both of them were held by her father. We had a celebration of life for her recently, and I was asked to be part of that, which was just, again, just such an absolute honor. But Mm -hmm. if it's okay, I want to take the time to just describe what happened. The funeral was beautiful and just so appropriate for it when you walked in you just there was a riot of beautiful flowers and balloon arches and sculptures in pink and white just filling the spaces and pictures of river on the screen there were well over a thousand of them a beautiful video Mm -hmm. played where you got to see who river really was because cancer wasn't river river was separate from that cancer was just cancer that ugly and from what i could see she was this joyful happy no matter what the circumstance was going through just always joyful and an adventurer and just loved her mommy loved her daddy and was loved and doted on and returned by them and her extended family so we got to see that through the photos and videos we were invited to go with to the f- cemetery. So we joined the procession. Her tiny, tiny little white casket, mm. which I have to say, they dressed their daughter in just this perfectly mm. adorable outfits like she was just known for wearing. 
and they tucked in around her all of River's favorite things. And what made me come undone from the get-go was seeing in her tiny, tiny little hand, she was clutching an empty syringe. Mm. She always walked around holding at least one or two syringes, and it was just something that she loved. And it almost, to me, represented... This was not my healing. Mm-hmm. These syringes weren't my healing. This was just stuff, and I can carry that around. God was my healing. It was so thoughtfully done. And anyways, her tiny little casket was put into the hearse, and we're following, and probably halfway through, we're on a country road, and we come to a stop. Madeline and Travis then themselves placed their daughter's casket on their side-by-side, and River loved going for rides on the Mm side-by-side. Like, she loved it so much. River was driven on their side-by-side to where her final resting place would be, through the town that they walked through all the time and spent time in, past and through where all the schools are, and past the play yards, and down the main street, and then to the cemetery. And when they got to the cemetery, Madeline and Travis themselves carried their daughter's body to the graveside. And we had a beautiful ceremony and little service there. And our good friend, Mike Simmons, just a lovely man. Did an amazing job. Just said some beautiful words there. And he gave us a time where we could all call out our final words that we wanted to say to Mm -hmm. River. And it was so beautiful. Mm. I've never witnessed that. And then I saw love by parents demonstrated in a way I have never seen in my life. They made the decisions that they wanted to be the ones to lay their daughter in her final resting place. They didn't want it done by strangers. So her daddy climbs down into this open grave and is standing in this grave. You can see from shoulders up, and Mm -hmm. he reaches up as the casket containing his daughter's body is handed down to him, and he lays her in this grave. And then he climbs out, and um, the family themselves filled it in. And I cannot think of a more touching example of what it is to love your child to the very end Mm. in things that I can't even comprehend how hard it goes against human nature to climb down into a grave. Yeah. It just does. Yeah. But they did it, and then they covered her, and for them, they said that was exactly what they needed. It was that final bit of closure here on this side, and it was absolutely everything they could do to say, River, we love you so much. Yeah. And uh, her resting place is beautiful. It overlooks this amazing lake. It's under this beautiful tree up on a hill. And it will be a lovely place for them to go visit. Yeah. What a what an honor to be part of that. Yes. If you're the praying kind, which I'm going to assume <laughs> that since you're maybe listening to this podcast, you might be the praying yeah. kind. Uh, Keep that family in your prayers. There's a lot of transition. A lot of firsts are going to be uh, there. Christmas and everything else. Yeah. Um, On the heels of this comes Christmas. And I know the family got together 
they're getting together on Christmas. And yep. I'm just going to give a shout out right now. Madeline and Travis, we love you yes. both and so much. Well done as parents. Oh, man. Um, well done. Showing mm. your child just how much yeah. she meant to you. Showing and how, the world. And yes, how to and love. showing the world. How to love. Yeah, I'm sorry I interrupted no, you there. It's just no, it's uh, it's I know that I have tears and you can hear that, but I have to say there's just such a joy in me at what I saw. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful. It and that's I've never seen anything so beautiful. Like it took your breath away. Yeah. That display. Yeah. And if the world could take from that lesson just how to treat people in general. I'm not saying throw them in a hole and cover them all up. Yeah. But just being able, even when it's uncomfortable, even when it goes against maybe something you're comfortable with, Yeah. but stepping outside of yourself because of your compassion, your empathy, your heart for and your love for the people around you. And I think that they really were such a powerful witness and testimony to that. And I don't think that could have come from any place other than their incredible confidence and trust in God, even when it meant they had to say goodbye to a daughter they wanted nothing more than to make a lifetime of memories with. Mm. So I know that they impacted me profoundly i learned so much from them Mm. and i'm i yeah i just you two are amazing and we love you we're gonna go into prayer yes and uh, then we got a few other things that we're gonna touch on and we have a special guest this episode that we're gonna introduce here real soon so this i'm excited when we get to this because oh when you hear the situation yeah so father god thanks so much for being our god for being our father for being the one that we know we can trust and run to when things don't make sense, when life gets hard, when life gets stupid, when we want to shout and scream, we know that you are our rock. And we thank you for not turning your back on us, but for making a way, for allowing that path back to you mm-hmm. And then you give us that little thing, that peace, that hope, the love. And it's those things that start to build us back up again. When we rest in whose we are, when we recognize that you've got this, you're in control. So Father God, bless our reading today. Bless our listeners and bless our special guest that we're going to introduce here in just a second. So Thank you so much for this opportunity to read your word and uh, just tell people about the difference that it's made in our life. Mm, yes. So thank you, Lord. And we will talk again soon. <laughs> yes, we will. <laughs> Amen. And I'm not going to go into great detail or depth sure. yeah. uh, just because the story is different. And in your prayers also... Pray over our friends, Neil and Abby, who around the same time as River passing, suffered the loss of their grandchild at eight months old. And it's been utterly devastating to their family. Mm -hmm. And they just really 
needs your prayers poured over them so they can find their peace in the midst of the storm that they're going through. Yeah. So I just, I wanted to acknowledge that because there's been multiple heavy things that we have. And two weeks ago today, we lost our dog. I know. We woke up in the morning, Nutmeg was doing quite poorly for about a week. She was declining. We knew it was coming, but... Mm -hmm. My goodness, she was she was a special one, and I know she was special to Robert. She mm. loved Robert more than she loved me. I'm that a was little, my dog. Have a little bit of a grudge, not really. I adored seeing you with her, and I adored seeing her with you. It was very obvious that she just there was something with you and her that she settled differently, mm. and I was glad to see that. I was so thankful. That she got to spend the rest of her life here with us, and we took her on those adventures. I love being able to share that. She has traveled cross-country with us. We climbed a mountain with her in a pack (laughs) up to the summit. She's been to the ocean. She's been in a mountain wildflower meadow. She traveled like a champ, and she was a good girl because we smuggled her (laughs) into places we weren't supposed to have dogs, but... And we, even though she was blind, there were times yes. when we would have her like out on the beach. And we have some pictures of this. Oh. We would be out on the beach or up in like the yes. flower area up there. And she would be smiling the, where she was, was smiling. It was just joy. So we still miss her. I yep. still wish I could hear the sound of her coming. Each dog uh, has no. a unique sound. And one of our other dogs will still find a toy or There was a blanket that I hadn't washed yet that Nutmeg had usually laid on or played with. And I watched my other dog just lay down on her blanket or she picked up that toy and she immediately went up to the sofa and curled in a corner around that toy. I've also seen her sniff it and get excited. And then she started searching the house and that broke my heart because I knew that she was looking for her. So there's still those things and, and we miss them. Yep. But that day wrapped up with a bit of an adventure, and God says, I'm going to throw something else to change your mind. There's no dull moments. (laughs) But we're glad to be back. We are so glad to be back. So you are going to be reading out of Matthew. So what's the chapter and verses you're I am reading in in Matthew 25. I'm starting at verse 31, and I'm going to read to the end of the chapter. We're talking about some sheep and goats. All right. Now, I love them both. But I'm going to say you probably would rather be one than the other. You'll figure it out by the end. When he finally arrives, blazing in beauty and all of his angels with him, the Son of Man will take his place on his glorious throne. Then all the nations will be arranged before him, and he will sort the people out, much as a shepherd sorts out sheep and goats, putting sheep to his right and goats to his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Enter, you who are blessed by my Father. Take what's coming to you in this kingdom. It's been ready for you since the world's foundation, and here's why. I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was homeless, and you gave me a room. I was shivering, and you gave me clothes. I was sick, and you stopped to visit. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then those sheep are going to say, Master, what are you talking about? When did we ever see you hungry and feed you, thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we ever see you sick or in prison and come to you? Then the king will say, 
I'm telling the solemn truth. Whenever you did one of these things to someone overlooked or ignored, that was me. You did it to me. Then he will turn to the goats, the ones on his left, and say, Get out, worthless goats. You're good for nothing but the fires of hell. And why? Because I was hungry and you gave me no meal. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was homeless and you gave me no bed. I was shivering and you gave me no clothes. Sick and in prison and you never visited. Then those goats are going to say, Master, what are you talking about? When did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or homeless or shivering or sick or in prison and didn't help? He will answer them, I'm telling the solemn truth. Whenever you failed to do one of those things to someone who was being overlooked or ignored, that was me. You failed to do it to me. Then those goats will be herded to their eternal doom, but the sheep to their eternal reward. This is a very highly quoted chapter by many people in my industry with prison ministry. Ah, yes. This verse and this context Mm -hmm. here that they're talking about, we reference this quite a bit because it is a mandate. It wasn't a suggestion. It's very clear. Not if you feel like it. And all of those things, it's just being a good human. It's not saying, I need you to feed them and then convert them to your way of Christianity. It's not saying you have to give someone a drink and then you have to catechize them and make sure that they know the Heidelberg Catechism. It's not saying they were homeless Mm -hmm. and you gave them a room, but then you required them to do this, that, and all these hoops to jump through for that gift. It's saying simply be a good human. Yes. And don't forget about people that have it worse off than you. It doesn't say anywhere in here, only do this for people who think just like you. Mm. Only do this for people who believe like you. Only do this for people who have their life together. Only do this for the people that... It doesn't say that anywhere. And a lot of us, and I'm going to be questioned because there were times where I haven't done that. And I'm trying actively to be a lot better at that. But I really think there's going to be a lot of Christians that are going to be grilled on this, that they did not show love in the way they needed to and were required to. I'm starting to realize that we often treat the Bible like it's a whole bunch of suggestions. If you feel like it or this, that, or the other thing. If you have time for it. Yeah, if you get around to it, yeah, maybe consider it. If you're not in a hurry. If, If you don't have anything else to do, and it doesn't say if you're rich, if you have too much food anyways, if you have enough clothing for 14 people, if blah, 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 it doesn't have any of that. There were no parameters that said if you fall in this category then you should do this this is a mandate to all of us and i sometimes picture a world filled with jesus followers who said 
It's about time we start living the way Jesus said that we should live because I can't even comprehend the difference that would make in this world. And man, we all just need some love and care and kindness and compassion. So my challenge to anybody who's listening, watch for those opportunities. Don't pass them by. If you can do anything to alleviate anyone's suffering, and it can be anywhere from maybe money, food, clothing, writing a letter to somebody in prison if you can't physically go there, but just caring. And that means looking outside of yourself. You have to Mm -hmm. actively start noticing because it's easy to get these comfortable Christian blinders on. You're in your church, you're doing your life, you're doing your everything, and you're very comfortable there. And I understand it's not fun being uncomfortable and being a Jesus follower isn't a life where you're going to be cushy and comfy. You're going to be challenged. So that's my gentle challenge. So at Christmas, let's just all love better. Let's just pour into other people and just be these amazing lights to people that are really hurting right now. So the thing I find funny is Uh that we do not script any of this. Anything that we do this morning, like we haven't scripted. No. And yesterday... We were speaking to our special guest who I'm going to announce here after this next mm. reading, but this special guest has a connection to prison ministry. Yes. And what did we just read? It, the verse that is highly quoted and referencing prison ministry. We didn't look ahead <clears throat> no. to what it was that we were going to read and then decide to invite them. That was... It just makes it that much more impactful that this person is joining us, and I can't wait to introduce him. Before we rewind, we're going to hang out for just a little bit in Romans, and we're going to see what God is calling his people. Oh, (laughs) you never know. Romans (laughs) Romans is getting tough here, but we're going to be reading Romans 9, and I'll be reading verses 1 through 18. So thanks for following along. Mm -hmm. At the same time, You need to know that I carry with me at all times a huge sorrow. It's an enormous pain deep within me, and I'm never free from it. I'm not exaggerating. Christ and the Holy Spirit are my witnesses. It's the Israelites. If there were any way that I could be cursed by the Messiah so that I could be blessed by him, I would do it in a minute. They are my family. I grew up with them. They had everything going for them, family, glory, covenants, revelation, worship, promises, to say nothing of being the race that produced the Messiah, the Christ, who is God over everything, always, oh yes. Don't suppose for a moment, though, that God's word has malfunctioned in some way or the other. The problem goes back a long way. From the outset, not all Israelites of the flesh were Israelites of the Spirit. It wasn't Abraham's sperm that gave identity here, but it was God's promise. Remember how it was put, your family will be defined by Isaac. That means that Israelite identity was never racially determined by sexual transmission, but it was God determined by promise. Remember that promise. When I come back next year at this time, Sarah will have a son. And that's not the only time. 
To Rebecca also, a promise was made that took priority over genetics. When she became pregnant by our one-of-a-kind ancestor, Isaac, and her babies were still innocent in the womb, incapable of good or bad, she received a special assurance from God. What God did in this case was made it perfectly plain that his purpose is not a hit-or-miss thing, dependent on what we do or what we don't do, but it's a sure thing that is determined by his decision, flowing steadily from his initiative. God told Rebecca, the firstborn of your twins will take second place. Later, that was turned into a stark epigram. I loved Jacob. I hated Esau. Is that grounds for complaining that God is unfair? Not so fast, please. God told Moses, I'm in charge of mercy. I'm in charge of compassion. Compassion doesn't originate in our bleeding hearts or moral sweat, but in God's mercy. The same point was made when God said to Pharaoh, I picked you as a bit player in this drama. I picked you as a bit player in this drama of my salvation power. All we're saying is that God has the first word, initiating the action in which we play our part for better or worse. And that, friends, is the end of Romans. That is the chapter that my former church used to stake their claim on the hill of election and reprobation. Ah. You are either born saved or you are born hated and there is nothing you can do to change that. Hmm. Absolutely nothing. And I have so many questions about that. Wasn't really given some clarification that helped me decipher that. Sure. But please don't let that be your takeaway from here. No. Jesus' gift on the cross is for everyone, anyone that chooses to say yes to Jesus. I look back at things like the thief on the cross or the woman at yes. the well or yes. all of these people that had these quick little interactions, but they right. were life changing. Mm -hmm. What about the Samaritan? What about, yeah, I mean, so, so many things. And this is choices were made by For him sure. that caused God to see him this way. Yes. He there did was, not come out of there the was womb. vanity. He was haughty. He was prideful. He did not do as God said must be done. And um, he grew bitter and angry because someone else's offerings were what God blessed and rewarded. And that caused him to be angry and bitter. It was mm. his choices. Mm -hmm. God didn't create to hate yeah he didn't create a single person for the sole purpose that he could hate them god loved the world whoa whoa whoa, whoa. let's back up mm. there is, is that like it. a isn't that a famous verse like john <laughs> for god so loved the world that he gave the whole world so not just some not if you were born in a Dutch family. Oh, right. Not if you were I know it, the shocking. right denomination. Heaven is not Dutch. So. <laughs> not if you have not gone to prison. Exactly. None of those things. He died for the world. For the world. Yes, he, gave he did. gave his only son. Yes, he did. 
All you have to do is say, yes, I want that. I want what your death bought for us. It's our decision to choose it or not. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's our decision. And when we hear about the love and hate in the chapter you just read, sure, that was a decision, not God. They had equal opportunity to do as God commanded. Yeah, One did and one did not. That was their doing. Goes back to the whole Cain and Abel thing, too. Very same, much so. Same thing. They were both doing Very their thing, much. but it was God looking at what is the intent? What mm-hmm. is your motivation? Why are you doing this? Why? Yeah. What are you giving me? And where's mm-hmm. your heart when you are giving that to me? Thoughts behind it. You may look good on the outside. It may seem like well, that doesn't seem real fair, and they did this, mm. and we don't see the heart, and we don't see the hidden thoughts, and God does. Yeah, Everything that you do in God's name needs to come from that. It has to come from a true love and desire to worship God. Yep. Don't allow anybody to use that chapter (laughs) to say that God has elected some before the beginning of time. He didn't say a tiny little group of conservative Dutch people are coming to heaven and nobody else will. So I I have a million things I want to say on this topic because it does such a disservice to the gift that Jesus has given to all of us. And everyone to know, I want everyone to be in heaven with me. Yeah. I want all of you to have Jesus, every single last one of you. And heaven is big enough for all of us. Sure is. And God <laughs> is big enough to love all of yeah, you. Yeah, he sure and is. And you know what? Jesus' death on the cross wasn't just good enough for a tiny group of people. Jesus' death on the cross was enough for the world. Yeah, for sure. And now we're going to jump in that Wayback Machine. Oh, yes. We are rewinding back to Psalms, and we are going to introduce a very special guest mm. here. Unfortunately, he can't be with us right here. Mm-hmm. But I did introduce this person a few months ago when we were doing the Crossroads Run. Run, yes. So if you've been following along with the podcast, you know that with Crossroads Prison Ministries, we did the first annual Crossroads Run on September. Mm-hmm. I believe it was the last Saturday of the month, September 30th, I think it was. Anyway, long story short, we had a great event. We had 60 or 70 people out at that live event here. We had 50 students right into us. That was the best. That was the best. And the other oh. little icing on the cake was, if you haven't it's followed along. a feel-good story. Yeah, there was... Somebody that is associated, he's with Crossroads at one of our extension centers. He's one of the leaders there, and his name is Lahai. And Lahai is in Sierra Leone, mm-hmm. West Africa. And three or four months ago, he and I were just chatting back and forth, and we just started talking about the run. And I said, you know what? I would love to get you some T-shirts and some yes. medals and stuff like that. And so I boxed up this little box and put a bunch of little promotional stuff in there for him. And sent it out. Yes. And he got it. And he used those <laughs> materials mm-hmm. to do his own crossroads run right there in Sierra Leone, West Africa. We have the pictures are amazing. Am- oh, man. We got all these joyful. people just wearing our shirts. With the and with shirts the, with running the medals. through Africa. It is just Super glorious. Cool. Yes. And the cool thing that happened is 
he used that as a fundraiser mm. and was able to raise around $320, $350, something like that. So can you explain to everybody that this is not to be thought of in with our American mindset? Because mm. yeah, you'd be sure. like, oh, that's yeah, so not that much. We may think, oh my goodness, that's, you know, okay, a couple hundred bucks or whatever. But let's put this into perspective here. That $320 is literally a year's worth mm. of wages yeah. there. So think, think about, about think about 40,000, 50,000. Mm-hmm. That's what that's equivalent yes, to there. So huge. he did some amazing things with so little. With from people who have nothing as we would see it yes. often that have nothing extra and they gave. They did give. And it was beautiful. And so he and I have stayed in touch. And I was thinking earlier this week, I I said to my wife, I said, you know, I think I would love to have Lahai on the podcast. Yes. Just reading a psalm or something like that. Mm -hmm. And we were preparing for, you know, doing this today. And and so I messaged him the other day and his phone isn't working right now. There's some serious issues in Sierra Leone. Stop and look it up if you have the time. They had a prison break there that was extremely bad. There's a lot of unrest in the city. Medical care, hard to get to. His wife is six months pregnant. It's become unsafe and downright dangerous. Um, And he's not able to do the work that he does for our ministry with right. Crossroads because the prison right now, I believe, is shut down. So I, I don't want to say a whole lot more about it because I don't know a lot of the specifics, but we I just, just know, know that it's a volatile situation. Right. It's not very safe. Mm-hmm. And he has reached out to our ministry and also to me and I'm sure other people just for prayers and support. Yes. And so I thought it would be cool to have him come on and just read a little bit Mm -hmm. from Psalms. And so today's Psalm was Psalm chapter 61. I read through it before (laughs) I sent it to him. It's only a few verses, but these verses are very impactful. And if you think about it from the situation and the perspective that he's in right now, then you will see and hear the power of these words. So I'm going to turn it over here now and loop in the recording that we have from Lahai. And after he reads, I would love to pray over him in his home. I just feel that I need to do that. Absolutely. So So here we go. Let's Lahai is going to be taking off now with Psalm chapter 61. Yes. 61. God listen to me shout. Bend an ear to my prayer, when I am far from anywhere, down to my last gaps. I call out, guide me up high rock mountain. You have always given me breathing room, a place to get away from it all, a lifetime pass to your safe house, an open invitation as your guest. You have always taken me seriously. God, made me welcome among those who know and love you. Let the days of the king add up to years and years of good rule. Set his throne in the full light of God. Post steady love and good faith as lookout, and I will be the poet who sings your glory and live what I sing every day. 
That was a beautiful psalm. Mm. And the things that just really stood out to me, I'm going to be the poet who sings your glory, the last verse. I'll be the poet who sings your glory and live what I sing every day. And there was some other verses in the middle of it all. I call out, guide me up the high rock mountain. You've always given me breathing room, a place to get away from it all. Again, it's telling God, this is David telling God, he knows what God is capable of. Mm -hmm. Lahai knows what God is capable of. Lahai is saying these words as a call out to God, I know what you're capable of. This may seem crazy right now with this whole prison thing Mm -hmm. that's happening. It may be crazy with the question marks around my wife and her Mm -hmm. health, but I trust you, God, because you've gotten me through things before. You have delivered before. I loved a lifetime pass to your safe house, Mm. an open invitation as your guest. That's Lahai. That's Lahai's wife, his unborn child, all that live in his home. Mm. That's for him. That's for him. And I just want to say just a real quick prayer. Please do. Take it away. Father God, I am calling out to you now to just cover Lahai and to cover his wife and that precious, Mm. precious unborn child. Thank you, Lord. Cover them with peace, with comfort, and most of all, your safety and protection, Father, from all that would harm them. Keep danger far from them. Please restore his wife's health. We know that malaria is such a dangerous thing in this country, and so many people suffer from it. And we know, Father, you are the great physician, and healing comes from you. And I call to you, Father, free her from that keep them safe please take away from the dangers from near them and god i ask you reopen those prisons so he can get back in there and do your work in there bless them father in the work they are doing they are beautiful beautiful people in a beautiful country that is being just Mm -hmm. torn apart by violence and danger and unrest and god we call on you to calm that now through this all though guide their steps give them the words and give them the peace that passes any possibility of us understanding Mm -hmm. in all situations thank you father for answered prayers amen amen as a ministry crossroads prison ministries was so happy to see what Lahai was able to do inside of his country. He's such a joyful person. And as we move into our 40th anniversary Mm -hmm. here this next year, and we get ready to prepare for the Crossroads run on the last Saturday of September for 2024, (laughs) we are excited to be able to point to him and his Mm -hmm. efforts (laughs) as to, yes, look at what he did and how he did it. And we didn't even, we didn't even tell him what to do. It was just God directing his steps and a faithful servant like him saying, yes, I'm just going to go with it and run with it. I want to be part of this. And we are so happy that you're a part of this. We have 27, I believe it is, extension centers around the world. Mm -hmm. And it is 
such an awesome thing to be able to highlight some of them and the work that they're doing in the jails and prisons in their own little towns right there. I am so happy to this past year forging a friendship with a few people that are far away yeah. from me. And we'll Isn't talk about another. I know. It's just remarkable. The technology has brought it all close. The world so. becomes smaller through technology. Yeah. But that being said, I look forward to the day when we can meet mm -hmm. Lahai and his wife and this precious little tiny baby in person. I just feel so strongly that God can make the way for mm -hmm. that to happen. And so again, if you're mm -hmm. the praying kind, which I hope you are, if you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> keep Lahai in your prayers, yes, keep his please. situation, keep his family, keep our ministry that's mm -hmm. there in your prayers and the work that he's doing through our ministry, because it not only impacts lives here in the United States, we may talk a lot about different letters or things that we get from students here in the United States, but he's having just as much impact yeah. right there in his it's, town. And, and doing, doing it, it with little to nothing. Yeah. He doesn't have all the conveniences that we just take for granted here. Yep. Really, we are... So, Lahai, yep. well done. You're doing yes. great. I can't wait to do this again with you. Uh, this was the first time we've added in someone like this, and it it was a little bit of a trying to figure it out, but right. we got it figured out. So, oh, I yeah. am so happy. Yes. All right, now we are going to end the day in numbers. We got we got a few chapters in numbers here. We're going to start in chapter 33 and we're ending with 36. All right, numbers 33. These are the camping sites in the journey of, of the people of Israel after they left Egypt, deployed militarily under the command of Moses and Aaron. Under God's instruction, Moses kept a log of every time they moved camp by camp. They marched out of the Ramses the day after the Passover. It was the 15th day of the first month. They marched out heads high and confident. The Egyptians, busy burying their firstborn whom God had killed, watched them go. God had exposed the nonsense of their gods. The people of Israel left Ramses and camped at Succoth. They left Succoth and camped at Etham at the edge of the wilderness. They left Etham and then circled back to Pi-Hahiroth, east of Baal-Zephon, and then camped near Migdal. They left Pi-Hahithroth. Man, these names today. Uh, the real estate is good there. Maybe Ooh, we could find a house. Uh, maybe. And they crossed through the sea into the wilderness. Three days into the wilderness of Etham, they camped at Merah. They left Merah and then came to Elam, where there were 12 springs and 70 palm trees. They camped there. Seems like a nice place to camp. It does. Good campground. They left Elam and they camped by the Red Sea. They left the Red Sea and then camped in the wilderness of Sin. That doesn't sound like a good place to... I know. They left the wilderness of Sin and they camped at Dapta. Dapta? Dapka? Oh, man. They left Dapka and they camped at Alush. They left Alush and they camped at Rephidim, where there was no water for the people to drink. They left Rephidim, and they camped in the wilderness of Sinai. They left the wilderness of Sinai and camped at Kibroth Hatava. They left Kibroth Hatava and camped at Hazaroth. Left Hazaroth and camped at Rithma. Left Rithma and camped at Rimen Perez. Left Rimen Perez and camped at Libna. 
left Libna and camped at Rissa. Left Rissa and camped at Kahatha. Left Kahatha <laughs> and camped at Mount Schiefer. Left Mount Schiefer and camped at Harada. Left Harada and camped at Makaloth. Left Makaloth and camped at Tahath. Left Tahath and camped at Tira. Left Tira and camped at Mithka. Left Mithka and camped at Hashmana. Left Hashmana and camped at Mazaroth. Left Mazaroth and camped at Bean Jekun. Left Bean Jekun and camped at Hor Hagadad. Left Hor Hagadad and camped at Jothbatha. Left Jothbatha and camped at Abrana. Left Abrana and camped at Ezion Geber. Left Ezion Geber and camped at Kadesh in the wilderness of Zin. After they left Kadesh and camped at Mount Hor at the border of Edom, Aaron and the priests climbed Mount Hor at God's command and died there. Mm. It was the first day of the fifth month in the 40th year after the people of Israel had left Egypt. Aaron was 123 years old when he died on Mount Hor. The Canaanite king of Arad, he ruled in the Negev of Canaan. He heard that the people of Israel had arrived. They left Mount Hor and then camped at Zalmana. They left Zalmana and then camped at Punan. Left Punan and camped at Oboth. Left Oboth and camped at Lyabarim on the border of Moab. That's an I. Oh. Left Oboth and camped at Lyabarim on the border of Moab. They left Iam and camped at Debon Gad. Left Debon Gad and camped at Almond Dipathalam. <laughs> oh man, I'm sorry, people. I really am. They left Almond Dipathalm and then capped and camped in the mountains of Abarim across the river. Why couldn't we just call it across the river? Within the site of Nebo. After they left the mountains of Abram, they camped on the plains of Moab at Jordan Jericho. On the plains of the Moab, their camp stretched along the banks of the Jordan from Beth Jehemoth to Abel Shittim, Acacia Meadow. God spoke to Moses on the plains of Moab at Jordan Jericho. Tell the people of Israel, when you cross the Jordan into the country of Canaan, drive out the native population before you. Destroy their carved idols. Destroy their cast images. Level their worship mounds so that you can take over the land and make yourself home in it. I've given it to you. It's yours. Divide up the land by lot according to the size of your clans. Large clans will get large tracts of land. Small clans will get smaller tracts of land. However, the lot falls, that's it. Divide it up according to your ancestral tribes. But if you don't drive out the native population, everyone you let stay there will become a cinder in your eye and a splinter in your foot. They'll give you endless trouble right in your own backyards, and I will start treating you the way that I planned to treat them. Now that's a, whew, well that was the end of chapter 33. Camping adventure. Man, that was a camping adventure. And oh, I am sorry if I butchered some names or if that was hard to listen to. But the takeaway that I see from that is 
they moved and moved and mm-hmm. moved and moved and God was faithful and protected them, made a way, made sure that they mm-hmm. had resources and was leading them to their eventual home where they're going to live. Right. And so there's something to be said for going through the process of attaining something mm-hmm. instead of if somebody was to just give you a car, yeah, it might be fun or whatever. If somebody just gives you this really cool thing, whatever it may be. Right. And you didn't work for it. You didn't earn it. You didn't nothing. I think that a lot of people treat things like that differently than if you worked for it and right. earned it and really put in the time and effort and the steps. And this was the same thing, I think, it with makes it's not that they had to earn special. anything here, but. It was God leading them through and him yes. teaching them, you can depend on me. They I'm your God. Yeah, they didn't have to earn it. Mm. They had to be obedient. And the other thing that I'm now curious about, sure. so I'm going to be researching this as soon as we're done. Yeah. There is a very specific guide that says where they went, where they traveled specifically. Oh, yeah. I'm going to research to see if... That can be seen archaeologically. Sure. I mean, we're talking a large number of people. You can't tell me that it, that camps, and it's not like they just stayed for a night. And some stays were quite long. Other ones were more brief. But I would think that setting up camp like that would leave something that could be found, whether it's artifacts or yep. whatever. So I'm fascinated in seeing if there is an artifact trail that, that follows them through. Just my nerdy mind saying, whoo. <laughs> All right, here we go. Chapter 34. This one's titled Land Inheritance. God spoke to Moses. Command the people of Israel. Tell them, when you enter Canaan, these are the borders of the land that you are getting as an inheritance. Your southern border will take in some of the wilderness of Zin where it touches Edom. It starts in the east at the Dead Sea, curves south of the Scorpion Pass, and then on to Zin, and then continues south of Kadesh Barnea, and then to Hazar Adar, and then on to Asmam, where it takes a turn into the northwest to the Brook of Egypt, and then on to the Mediterranean Sea. Your western border will be the Mediterranean Sea. Your northern border runs on a line from the Mediterranean Sea to Mount Hor, and then from Mount Hor to Lebo Hamath, connects to Zedad, continues to Ziphron, and then ends at Hazar Enan. This is your northern border. Your eastern border runs on a line from Hazar Enan to Shepham. A border goes south from the Shepham. The border goes south from Shephan to Riblah to the east of Aln to the east of Ain and then continues along the slopes east of the Sea of Galilee. The border then follows the Jordan River and then ends at the Dead Sea. This is your land with its four borders. Moses then commanded the people of Israel, this is the land. Divide up the inheritance by lot. God has ordered it to be given to the nine and a half tribes. The tribe of Reuben, the tribe of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh have already received their inheritance. The two tribes and the half-tribe got their inheritance east of the Jordan Jericho, facing the sunrise. God spoke to Moses. 
These are the men who will be in charge of distributing the inheritance of the land, Eleazar the priest and Joshua son of Nun. Assign one leader from each tribe to help them in distributing the land. Assign these, Caleb son of Jephunneh from the tribe of Judah, Shemuel son of Amihud from the tribe of Simon, Eladad son of Kislon from the tribe of Benjamin, Buki son of Jogli, leader from the tribe of Dan, Haniel son of Ephod, leader from the tribe of Manasseh, son of Joseph. Kemuel, son of Shiftan, leader from the tribe of Ephraim, son of Joseph. Elizaphan, son of Parnach, leader from the tribe of Zebulun. El, son of Azan, leader from the tribe of Issachar. Ahihud, son of Shalomi. You're doing good. I'm trying. Leader from the tribe of Asher. Padehel, son of Amihud, leader from the tribe of Naphtali. These are the men that God commanded to hand out the assignments of land inheritance to the people of Israel in the country of Canaan. And that's the end of chapter 34 there. Again, it may seem like one of those chapters like, oh man, just a bunch of weird names and what does this all have to do with anything? But it's the inheritance. Mm -hmm. It's what they had been traveling through the desert for. So when you put it into perspective, like, They are coming into what they had been traveling for, what had been promised to them. These are things that probably parents were telling kids, and now these kids are parents themselves, and they had heard this. They had heard these promises handed down from generation to generation. This is going to happen. We're on our way here. And so when you put it in that perspective, I feel like, Yeah, some of the names are funny and whatever else, but it is your inheritance. This is the reading of the will, like in today's terms. And so I I just feel like it's a beautiful thing that God includes this in there. It is. I've enjoyed reading through numbers so much more than I ever expected. I was just looking at the origin at maps. I pulled it up, the Mm. ancient lands of Israel, and it just brings to mind some thoughts in light of current situation. So, Would you like to read chapter 35 in light of me wanting a break from some of these names? Or (laughs) maybe we could do a who read it better. Oh, Oh, that's all you needed to say. Bring it. I'm ready. Chapter Uh, 35. So Heidi's going to take over chapter 35, and then I'll bring it home. All right. Then God spoke to Moses on the plains of Moab at Jordan, Jericho. Command the people of Israel to give the Levites as their part of the total inheritance towns to live in. Make sure there is plenty of pasture around the towns. Then they will be well taken care of with towns to live in and pastures for their cattle, flocks, and other livestock. The pasture surrounding the Levites' towns is to extend 1,500 feet in each direction from the city wall. The outside borders of the pasture are to measure 3,000 feet on each of the four sides, east, south, west, and north, with the town at the center. Each city will be supplied with pasture. Six of these towns that you give the Levites will be asylum cities to which anyone who accidentally kills another person may flee for asylum. In addition, you will give them 42 other towns, 48 towns in all, together with their pastures. 
The towns that you give the Levites from the common inheritance of the people of Israel is to be taken in proportion to the size of each tribe. Many towns from a tribe that has many, few from a tribe that has few. God spoke to Moses, Speak to the people of Israel, tell them, When you cross the river Jordan into the country of Canaan, designate your asylum cities, towns to which a person who accidentally kills one can flee for asylum. They will be places of refuge from the avenger, so that the alleged murderer won't be killed until he can appear before the community in court. Provide six asylum cities. Designate three of the towns to the east of the Jordan, the other three in Canaan proper. Asylum cities for the people of Israel, for the foreigner and for any occasional visitors or guests. Six asylum cities to run to for anyone who accidentally kills another. But if the killer has used an iron object, that's just plain murder. He's obviously a murderer and must be put to death. Or if he has a rock in his hand big enough to kill and the man dies, that's murder. He's a murderer and must be put to death. Or if he's carrying a wooden club heavy enough to kill and the man dies, that's murder. He's a murderer and must be put to death. In such cases, the avenger has a right to kill the murderer when he meets him. He can kill him right on the spot. And if, out of sheer hatred, a man pushes another or from ambush throws something at him and he dies or angrily hits him with his fist and kills him, that's murder. He must be put to death. The avenger has a right to kill him when he gets it. If, however, he impulsively pushes someone and there is no history of hard feelings, or he impetuously picks up something and throws it, or he accidentally drops a stone tool, a maul or hammer, say, and it hits and kills someone he didn't even know was there, and there's no suspicion that there was bad blood between them, the community is to judge between the killer and the avenger following these guidelines. It's the task of the community to save the killer from the hand of the avenger. The community is to return him to his asylum city to which he fled. He must stay there until the death of the high priest, who was anointed with the holy oil. But if the murderer leaves the asylum city to which he has fled, and the avenger finds him outside the borders of his asylum city, the avenger has a right to kill the murderer, and he's not considered guilty of murder. So it's important that he stays in his asylum city until the death of the high priest. After the death of the high priest, he is free to return to his own place. These are the procedures for making judgments from now on, wherever you live. Anyone who kills another may be executed only on the testimony of eyewitnesses, but no one can be executed on the testimony of only one witness. Don't accept bribe money in exchange for the life of a murderer. He's guilty and deserves a death penalty. Put him to death. And don't accept bribe money for anyone who has fled to an asylum city so as to permit him to go back and live in his own place before the death of the high priest. Don't pollute the land in which you live. Murder pollutes the land. The land can't be cleaned up of the blood of murder except through the blood of the murderer. Don't desecrate the land in which you live. I live here too. I, God, 
live in the same neighborhood with the people of Israel. Mm. Thank you for reading that mm-hmm. chapter. And I have a quick little interjection here okay. from Eugene Peterson about the asylum cities yes. that I thought was just give it a little bit of context here. The institution of asylum cities as laid out in Leviticus is intensely practical. Murderers are not welcome, but neither are those that are seeking vengeance. Our sense of divine justice, of God's will to make things right, is innate. But it is easily tainted with our primal urge to have our own way, to make things right for ourselves. In reserving cities for his attendants, the Levites, God is protecting us from tainted justice, providing places of refuge for people that are in trouble. Note that murderers are not invited to enter these asylum cities. God is not in the business of licensing sin, of indulging violence. Murder pollutes the land, God declares. God is quick to extend grace and to provide a place for those who have caused a death by accident. But those who practice violence and seek the death of others will be subjected to judgment. God does this for us, for the land, and for his own glory. I live here too, he reminds us. I, God, live in the same neighborhood with the people of Israel. Verse 34. This is by design, and it is for our own good. I love it. Yeah. I do. I really do. And I had no idea when we started this and we were reading these last four chapters that uh, this is the last chapter of Numbers. So listen, people. I'm excited about who it's talking about because do you remember the impact this had on me? This, Ah, the daughters of Zelophehad. Yes. So I'm going to read this and then we can Mm. comment and kind of touch on that a little bit. So chapter 36 here, the heads of the ancestral clan of Gilead, son of Machir, the son of Manasseh, they were from the clans of the descendants of Joseph, approached Moses and the leaders who were the heads of the families and the people of Israel. They said, when God commanded my master to hand over the inheritance, lands by lot to the people of Israel, my master was also commanded by God to hand over the inheritance land of Zelophead, our brother, to his daughters. But what happens if they marry into another tribe in the people of Israel? Their inheritance land will be taken out of our ancestral tribe and then get added into the tribe into which they married. And then when the year of Jubilee comes for the people of Israel, their inheritance will be lumped in with the inheritance of the tribe into which they married. Their land will be removed from our ancestors' inheritance. Moses, at God's command, issued this order to the people of Israel. What the tribe of the sons of Joseph says is right. This is God's command to Zelophead's daughters. They are free to marry anyone they choose as long as they marry within their ancestral clan. The inheritance land of the people of Israel must not get passed around from tribe to tribe. No. Keep the tribal inheritance land in the family. Every daughter who inherits land, regardless of the tribe she is in, must marry a man from within her father's tribal clan. Every Israelite is responsible for making sure the inheritance stays within the ancestral tribe. No inheritance land may be passed from tribe to tribe. 
each tribe of the people of Israel must hold tight to its own land. Zelophead's daughters did just as God commanded Moses. Mala, Tizra, Hagla, Milka, and Noah, Zelophead's daughters, all married their cousins on their father's side. They married within the families of Manasseh, son of Joseph, and their inheritance lands stayed in their father's family. These are the commands and regulations that God commanded through the authority of Moses to the people of Israel on the plains of Moab at Jordan Jericho. And friends, that is the end of Numbers. We've been through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Numbers. We are four books in on the Old Testament here. I love it. And chewing through Psalms. Mm. We're at Psalm Mm. chapter 61. Thank you, Lahai. And really just going through the New Testament. And it's just a little bit at a time. I love it. Show yourself some grace if you miss a day. Encourage yourself to continue on. We've never lost sight of Mm -mm. doing this podcast. But when things come in, when you have to deal with certain things, the things that we were working through a couple weeks ago needed our full attention. Oh, they sure did. I didn't have the creative bug. And not only that, this, let's be real, this takes you time. It does take time. And our time, we were called to give our time in other matters. And I don't regret that for two seconds. And all I'm going to say about that last chapter, yeah, talking about the daughters, mm, yes, and the fact that daughters inherited, that changed my entire mindset towards the Old Testament. I struggled with the Old Testament because it really seemed hardcore against women. No rights, no love, nobody cared about them, second-class citizens, Leviticus blah, was blah, tough. blah, 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 blah. That isn't true. God never saw them as second-hand citizens. And all things need to be read in culture and context. God turned things upside down when he commanded in order that daughters could inherit their father's land. Mm -hmm. And I understand the keep it within the tribe because, of course, they could go marry another tribe and pretty soon a tribe could just be decimated and not have anything left. But now, not only did these daughters each inherit land, imagine this, they come into a marriage already with property. They're landowners. They have belongings. Mm -hmm. They have, whoever they marry, they suddenly become somebody that really ends up with a lot because now it's joined with another parcel or whatever it may be. I just find it fascinating. That something as simple as inheritance going to daughters also. And we talked about that earlier when God ordered that. And it changed my mind. And it showed me just how much God loved women. Not to count. He touched on Miriam, (laughs) who is one of the rulers and Mm well-respected. So don't read the Old Testament. Never think God didn't love women because he sure did. He sure does. That's all I got. Still does. Yes. 
Friends, thank you so much for taking the time to join with us today. This little reading through the Bible and just going through life a little bit, it's uh, just us being transparent, Mm -hmm. talking about some things that are going on in our life. We love going through the message version because it's conversational. It's a paraphrase of the Bible. If Mm -hmm. you don't have a copy, pick yourself up a copy. It's We love referencing it. I have a few different versions here. I always say, find the version that works for you because God can speak and work through the craziest of things. He doesn't need a certain letter after a version to be able to work through it. We just happen to use the message version because it's very conversational and we wanted that to be part of the podcast. We still Mm -hmm. wanted to be able to talk about some Jesus stuff and cool things that God is doing. Still go through a little bit of the Bible, but still keep it conversational about life and some of the challenges that we have in going through it Mm -hmm. and how God shows up for us. It's very clearly understood. And at the end of the day, regardless of what version you're reading out of, the Holy Spirit's pretty well equipped Mm. to help us to understand properly. So I'm not on that ship with people who just freak out over certain additions or copies. And so we're coming up on one year of this podcast being going. We're almost on our one year anniversary. Oh my goodness. And if you've been following along with us for that whole year, thank you. Thank you for the support. We appreciate the messages that we get. We appreciate seeing people at church that say, hey, we listen to this or that or talk to you. Maybe we see people from Oasis, the other group. If you're from City Church Greenville or if you're from Oasis in Belding, say hi. Yeah, big shout out to you. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for your support. Yes. This is just us trying to connect with some people and meet people exactly where they're at. Yes. That's it. That's it. it. There's no other motivation. I'm not trying to sell you toothpaste or the next best thing, or I'm not trying to bait click you into like doing something crazy, or I'm not going to, what do they call that? Or bait and switch. Oh, one of those. Yeah. Oh yeah. If you listen to my podcast, you'll be, you'll be a millionaire in a moment. You get, you're getting none of that here. This is just real stuff. Real people. Real stuff. Just want to introduce our Jesus to you. Yeah. That's it. That's it. So friends, thanks for joining along. We know that this was a little bit of a longer one, but you know what? Keep Lahai in your prayers. Yes, please. Keep Travis and Madeline in your prayers. Keep mm-hmm. Neil and Abby in your prayers. Just keep people keep in, us your prayers. in your prayers. Step out of yourself today mm-hmm. and put the focus on someone else in your yes. prayer life. I approve that you message. Know? And it does amazing things for your heart mm-hmm. and your outlook on mm-hmm. life. So thanks so much for joining along today. Be blessed and be a blessing wherever you're at. Amen to that.